I guess then I'll ask you, what do you think will happen this time in Empress Teresa? What tortures do you think will be subjected to? Will the chipmunks return? There we go. Okay. Will there be more nonsense that has absolutely nothing to do with the story coming out? Oh, it'll probably be more nonsense that has nothing to do with the story. There's always nonsense that has nothing to do with the story, and it always comes back. And okay, I'm like, is it chapter 12? No, 11. Ah, shit. Shit fucking goddamn it. Saya, you can't skip ahead in this. You can't pretend <laughs> that you're farther than we Okay, now I need to rearrange my desk, you know, like usual. Classic Saya. Yeah. Ugh, I'm just a mess. It was nearly a month since our trip to Paris and Dublin, and the impression of being trapped in this luxurious prison was getting to me again. Yes, Teresa, sounds so awful. Yes, you get to live rent-free, you get to live in a nice little manor in the countryside of England, you get free food, you get free internet, you get free everything. That sounds so awful. It's not like that's just the dream, you know, for us. Yeah. But no, it's so terrible for Teresa. Because she's not like other girls. No, she's not. No. If people could see what I was doing here every day, manipulating hail to spin a plate in the air, juggle four balls in the air, squirt water from a dish, they would think I was crazy. Teresa, you're already fucking insane. And when and when she's talking about balls, she means, like, testicles. I knew it. Yep. <laughs> they wouldn't understand that I had to develop the parameters for controlling Hal one by one. As I explained it to Steve, I was trying to shoot an arrow without the bow. An archer aims the bow, not the arrow. The bow's rigid structure and the tension of the string determine where the arrow will go. Okay. For okay. some reason that feels wrong, but I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah, I'm not in the mood to argue with this bullshittery, so... Okay, Teresa. I had to arrange for the arrow's movement by listing out all the parameters involved in three dimensions. In I'm magnitude su- and in time. I'm surprised she didn't compare it to a pancake again. Oh my god, right? Right. I'd have to factor in the curvature of the Earth's surface. Besides that, I'd have to take into consideration the speed of the Earth's rotation at the place I was doing something. A speed that differed for each latitude, and all that with a thing that couldn't count and couldn't read a clock. People had no idea of the complexity. Okay, Teresa, here's where I'm going to call you out on your wrongness. Because the Coriolis effect is only taken into account with long-range bullets. Also, they made the they made the clock not clock for Hal like in the previous chapter. Yeah, I barely remember anything from the previous chapter because nothing really happened. So, to take into account the Coriolis effect, you have to be shooting well over, like 
well over where an arrow would hit. Also, do you think, like, basically, if we took out the previous chapter and just skipped to this one, nothing would make a difference? Yeah. Was the last chapter where they were just rude in the restaurant? No, that was chapter... That was literally chapter 9. Oh, fuck. Chapter 10 was, like, she had a breakthrough question mark with Hal (laughs) and then Steve contacted the Prime Minister via letter and then the Prime Minister sent like he had a press conference that really could have been an email (laughs) classic (laughs) so yeah I missed Framingham I remembered walking around town and out to the countryside Even a simple thing like seeing a chipmunk by the road was a treat when you were young and had no responsibilities or worries. Why did I have to grow up? Why did I have to be obsessed with chipmunks? Why couldn't I just come out to the world and reveal my secret obsession with chipmunks and reveal and also tell everyone that I am a chipmunk furry? Ooh. I don't think I've seen one of those. Don't make Don't make somebody do it, Maya. Don't inspire anybody. I don't know. Maybe it would actually... Well, it would be like a giant Chippendale. It's basically like a giant Chippendale costume. Not like (laughs) Chippendale's the dancers or the furniture. I mean, like, the, you know... Yeah, the Disney chipmunks. Yeah, with their new movie that came out with Ugly Sonic. I'd heard it said, life is what you think about all day. My life was getting pretty lousy. Oh, boo-hoo, Teresa. Oh, no, Teresa. fucking hoo, Teresa. You know, we don't like to gatekeep over here, but it's like... (laughs) Boo-fucking-hoo, Boo-fucking-hoo-Teresa. All I could think about was developing one more parameter for controlling Hale and the unthinkable consequences if I failed. Even worse, I was conscious of how Steve suffered too. Yeah, he's suffering so much. Just opening mail. Yeah, just going through mail and stealing money from people and like, you know, he's, he's able to like roam freely but he has nothing to do so he just like sits on like their fancy couches and his underwear because he's a rude American in his underwear eating their fancy sausages and shit and then he like well he he went to the the place to get physics textbooks oh yeah he went to shit shit what's their what's that university again I almost said Harvard no no that's not it Oh, shit. I can't remember now. I am blanking suddenly. I know. Me too. It's just gone. Maybe it'll come back to me later. (laughs) It'll come back later, and then we'll be like, oh, yeah, this one. All I remember is that a friend of my cousin's goes there. He, uh, He wanted so much to help me. There was nothing for him to do except leave me alone. Hale was coming between them. I began to cry. If I don't get out of here, I'll lose my mind. 
Now I was talking to myself. That was it. It was time to get out of the house before I went completely loony. Shut up, Teresa. Uh, I'm leaving it alone. Shut up, Teresa. You I walked down the grand staircase to the ground floor. Nobody was in sight. I went through the back door behind the staircase and headed straight for the rear forest. Ah, yes, the rear forest, not the left to the right to the front. Yes, the rear forest, because we're so rich that we have all these other forests. <laughs> we're so rich that we have a hermit just roaming the grounds. Oh, wait, that's Steve in his underwear. He has skid marks. He has skid marks on his underwear. We have to talk to him about, like, properly wiping his ass, but he he just ignores us with this glazed over look in his eyes the soldiers hidden in the woods recognized me immediately and alerted colonel james specifically the ones that that spotted her were the renaissance fair people yes yes (laughs) and then they ran up to colonel james and they were like me lord we have seen the feistiest of wenches. wenches. Steve and I had visited the headquarters in the woods. There were 12 television screens and the woods had hundreds of cameras covering every square inch. It's just a fucking tree house. It's a tree house. <laughs> it's a tree house that says no girls allowed except Teresa. <laughs> and Mrs. Parker tries to come in and she has like little treats and stuff. And then they're like, no girls allowed. And then she's like, <laughs> The headquarters people could switch the camera's views to watch somebody's movements through the woods. Colonel James said a squirrel couldn't move through tree branches without headquarters seeing it. Meanwhile, a ninja squirrel had snuck up on him and bit him in the neck, giving him wear rabies. (laughs) I went deeper and deeper into the woods. Headquarters must have wondered if I was going to go straight through the forest and head for the nearby village. That's exactly what I was doing. And when this was realized, there must have been a panic at headquarters. I reached the edge of the woods and walked out onto the open fields. A collection of 400 homes were half a mile away. Exactly 400. Yeah, exactly 400. Yes, exactly, because I can count them from all over here because I'm fucking Teresa and I know how to count that high. (laughs) The surrounding land was bare fields. That's how the Europeans did things. Houses were gathered close together and large tracts of open land were... A two-minute walk away. It's not just the Europeans. It's kind of how they did things because... It's kind of like how land works. It's kind of like how farming communities work. No. I heard vehicles behind me. I saw what looked like Humvee convertibles filled with soldiers. Not a thing. So much for getting off alone... What did she expect? They moved slowly in time with my walking, but kept a hundred yards back. A few minutes later, I reached the village and walked down a street. The home's architecture had a startling similarity. Perhaps this was a development. The colors were muted beige, earthy tones with red shingle roofs. That's not... 
No American-style wooden houses. The Europeans built homes out of masonry to last for centuries. A development? That's not... That's not a development, Teresa. You're a fucking idiot. That's not a thing. A couple people were out... A couple people were on their front lawns. Do English people have lawns? Depends on where you live, but usually it's like a little front. It's not a lawn, really. Because if I'm thinking of like a, a small village... That's not what comes to mind right away. I don't think they have lawns like we do. Yeah, they definitely don't have lawns like we do, but it's... I'd say, like, front porch. Like, it's not going to be something where it's like, oh, you can garden the shit out of it. Like, mow the shit out of it and all that. Isn't it usually just, like, a a small fenced-in area, kind of, sort of? Kind of, sort of. Again, it's like, I don't... It might depend on the township. It might depend on where it is. Like, but yeah, they're not going to have a lawn like we do here. Yeah. At first, they didn't recognize me, and I continued walking down the street. When I'd gone by a dozen homes, I heard somebody yell, Mother, come quickly! Look who's out here! I looked in the direction of the voice. It was a teenage girl looking at me with wide-open eyes. The mother came out and also recognized me. She ran to the neighbor's house. Of course a teenager's going to recognize her. As I walked slowly along the street, more people came out onto their small front lawns. I didn't have any destination in mind. I was simply exploring the village. Now people were running over from distant houses. Word was spreading quickly. A crowd followed me at a respectful distance at my sides. I noticed one of the British Army's Humvees parked at a corner of the street connecting to the street I walked on. There was another one parked down the opposite street, and there were two more vehicles moving slowly behind me a short distance behind the crowd. The British Army was taking no chances with the world's most important citizen. I mean, she could still get sniped from here. Oh, yeah, she could. She's out in the open. Out in the open. She has no protective gear. She doesn't have a like a bulletproof vest. She can. I mean, if you even if you're wearing a bulletproof vest and you get sniped, it's not going to do fucking shit. I know, but it's like she doesn't have a helmet on or anything that could like be a preventative measure. Yeah. Also, because there's also if someone got close enough to her, she could like get stabbed easily. Which That's is... exactly what I was about to say. Which is usually the problem in the UK: stabs, people getting stabbed. Well, I mean, if she's had like thousands of assassins after her, like this is the perfect time to do it. Like, where the fuck are they? We don't know if thousands of assassins after her. She just said That's there true. were. <sighs> As I continued along, I saw more and more army vehicles. The village was full of soldiers. This safari was interrupted. A safari? She's... <laughs> she considering these people to be, like, animals? Yep. She is. Oh wow, God. she takes their money. She considers people animals. Yeah. Yeah, Teresa. Teresa, you're not doing well. No, she's really not. Teresa's literally the worst. 
A 60-ish but vigorous woman came out to the street and shouted, We're having a picnic! Mrs. Hartley is a guest of honor! People cheered and went off in different directions. Odd, they did that. Okay. I'm Juliet Graham, dear, the grand dame said to me. Won't you join us? You wouldn't... You... She wouldn't be a dame... Yeah. She showed the way with her hands. I smiled and walked in the indicated direction. I entered the woman's backyard. There was a kind of picnic table there, a long table with benches placed alongside. I was invited to sit down next to people Mrs. Graham's age. How do we know she's a Mrs.? <laughs> we don't know. Well, she's not. She just said that on Juliet Graham. I don't know. I guess universe, everyone has to be married, I guess, to a member of the opposite sex. I sat, wondering what would develop from this. About a dozen of the townspeople gathered around the table. Mrs. Graham said, they'll all be here soon. Eat up while there's plenty, dear. I helped myself to some chicken, potato salad, and soda. That's not, not really what you would eat at an English picnic. I don't think chicken potato salad is on the menu. More Maybe it is. Arriving. Then someone brought in a folding car table and placed it at the end of the picnic table. Another folding table was brought in. I got it. This was not a spontaneous community response to my visit, but a routine. Mrs. Graham shouted picnic, and the people came. Food was brought in from parts unknown and spread on the tables. People freely grabbed whatever they wanted. In ten minutes, there were over a hundred people crowded in the Graham backyard. I don't know if that's going to be able to... I don't think that's... I think that's feasibly possible. No... I did no talking. The community sensed that that was not why I came. They didn't try to draw anything out of me. I noticed a mid-thirties man standing to my right at the outskirts of the crowd. He was fully alert in all business, not someone here to enjoy the society. He wore a loose-fitting jacket despite the heat. I was pretty sure he had an Uzi machine gun under his jacket. I spotted another... <laughs> I spotted another guard to my left, and another was in front of me at a discreet distance. All these guys kept a clear view of me. If anybody made a sudden move in my direction, it might be his last. Um, no army carries Uzis as their weapon. Nope. In the United States, it's the M16, which I think is pretty... As we know, um... Norman Bhutan doesn't really know anything about... Yeah, he doesn't know anything. Let's just go with he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything. Of course, the villagers could recognize strangers. They knew these men were gunmen, ready to shoot in an instant. They said nothing about it. I noticed that mothers were keeping their children away from these men. This would be my life from now on. I'd be kept alive only as long as government people 
could keep the assassins away. What assassins? We what assassins? Had a, Are we these even assassins? Had an assassination attempts? No. I had done nothing to anyone, but a lot of crackpots wanted to kill me for whatever it gave them. Also, I find this unbelievable because there aren't at least like 10 drunk guys already. And you know, everyone would be super nosy about what she's doing and what she's up to. Yeah. When the eating slowed down, the impromptu entertainment began. Mrs. Graham went through her repertoire of stories collected over 40 years. She's only 40? I thought you said 50. I thought she was 50 or something. I thought she was 60 or older. Apparently she's 40. I bought an antique car. Mr. Graham said I paid too much for it. I spent my money foolishly because he is a man and he knows how to use money wisely. Yeah. I'm just a woman who doesn't know anything about anything at all, and I am not. We drove it on a holiday to Plymouth. Holiday means vacation trip in American. American isn't a language. No, and I I get that holiday means, like, to to the, like, European holiday means vacation. Yeah, it's it's quite common knowledge. It's context clues as well, if you didn't already know. That was intended for me. I laughed along with everybody. A man there liked my car. He made an offer I couldn't resist, and I sold the car. Oh, thank you. You're Jess ordered me food. Oh, yeah. Sustenance. Sustenance, <laughs> I need it. Sustenance is always needed. I told Mr. Graham the prophet paid for the holiday twice over. The people laughed on cue. They'd heard all these homely stories before, but that wasn't important. I'm sorry, this is boring. It's awful. It's an awful story. It's not a really interesting story. I'm sorry, Mrs. Graham. This this is... I'm, I'm sorry. No one's going to politely listen to this story unless someone's getting like their head... Unless it ends in a barroom fight or something. When Mrs. Graham's repertoire ran out, a ten-year-old girl was invited to sing The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. No! No! (laughs) It's gonna be horribly off-key! Then a couple of college-age girls with guitars sang Green's Leaves. Six ladies in their 60s had their own little glee club of sorts and sang Nearer My God to Thee and other old-fashioned tunes. The one that was (laughs) Nearer to God God to Thee from Titanic. Yes. Oh my god. This sounds like an awful party. It sounds like a fucking talent show. It does. (laughs) The Von Trapp family came. This was cliche upon cliche, but unlike snobs who would look down on this small town convivility, what is that word? Convivality. Viality. Which page is this on? 187, right kind of in the middle. Um, I 
said small Con town. Okay, conviviality. Convivality? No, there's that A in there. Con conviviality. I mean, I can see, I can read viality just fine, but. Yeah, con convivial. Okay, convivial conviviality. Yeah, that's, that's really the only one that would make sense. Yeah. I understood that what they were doing didn't matter as much as the fact they were doing it. These people were a community. They got together for no other reason than being a community. Not everything needs to have a reason, Teresa. Jesus Christ. Everything has to have a meaning. That type of teacher. Yeah. It was exactly what I needed today. There was one woman who actually was a semi-professional singer. She made occasional appearances at nearby theaters and night spots. She, she sang an Academy Award-winning song called Morning After from a 1972 movie about a shipwreck disaster. Oddly specific, just fucking tell me what the movie is. Uh, yeah, because you named off all the other movies in here. There's got to be a morning after if we can hold on through the night. It didn't... I didn't remember hearing this song before. It greatly affected me. The semi-pro singer knew her audience. So, she doesn't remember hearing the song, but knows what it's from. Yep. Okay. Also, we're not being snobs about it. It's just, like, this is unbelievable. I know. It's just stupid. This is what you would find in, like, a leave it to beaver sort of situation oh boy Merck just texted if anyone would be willing to order pizza and like Jess and I literally just got food oh dear oh, that's hilarious oh boy let me answer that really quick the, the irony of life I know well, Merck said they weren't going to be home until, like, after 5.30, so... Dear Lord. I know. After two hours of this casual socializing, Colonel James walked into the yard and spoke to me. Mrs. Hartley, we've been keeping the television cameras away at your husband's request because we only listen to what your husband tells us because he is a man and therefore has only authority also television cameras this far out in the countryside oh my god right right i mean i know there were some at the parker estate but i'd assume that they would have gotten rid of them or i'm surprised that they would have been she was at the parker estate actually i'm surprised that they even let her go out because like isn't her location supposed to be secret it is also you like you're gonna know where it is they wouldn't even need this many like military personnel if the place was a secret in the first place but it's not a secret anymore with all these people out there but the traffic is becoming too much to manage many people are trying to see you they abandon their cars to walk here to walk here to norman <laughs> i feel that people truly don't know how large the earth is but these well, here's, tiny farming communities I find are that unbelievable. Why? Because what... Okay, so when I went to England, we went up to Stonehenge. 
Um, in the distance, you can see one of the main roads, and you can see, like, there was this tiny spot where the traffic was a little bit thick, and that's because people were slowing down to get a glimpse of Stonehenge, and then quickly driving off down the hill. But, like... But what I'm saying is, basically, what they would do is drive by, slow down, and drive off after getting a glimpse of Teresa. Wow. That's my opinion, at least. They have been, you know, We can't hold them all back. The area will be overrun. They sound like zombies. They really do, but they kind of are acting like zombies because that's no. for Teresa. I got the message. Okay, I'll go. I got up and waved to all. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for the wonderful time. The work I do all day is inhuman. I was going nuts. You reminded me of what it's about. How the fuck were they having a picnic? It was impromptu. Yeah, but they don't have any food. They, they brought pretty much dead at this point. They brought the food. <laughs> and then they all fell down to their knees and begged her, please don't leave. I got into the colonel's vehicle and returned to the Parker house. Steve met me at the door. He smiled. My experience in the town had been reported back to the Parker house, and Steve was kept informed of the proceedings. This sounds so clinical. Because he had to know what I was doing at all times because I am a frail woman and he is the man of the house and he must know what I am doing at all times. Because I am woman. You know what you've done, don't you? He said. You fucked up royally. You made that Mrs. Graham a national hero. You didn't want to come over? I guess... I guessed that's not what you wanted. That's why I love you. That was the worst exchange of dialogue I have read in a long time. And I was too busy laying around in my underwear with my skid marks on. As I refused to wipe properly because while I'm here, why not let the maids and the butler do what they're supposed to do? Wash the skid marks out of my tidy whiteies because, of course, <laughs> I don't wear boxers. I wear briefs. It was August 30th, specifically. It's a day after my birthday. Over two months since my televised talk with the prime minister. President Stinson called her cabinet together to assess the situation. Right after that, the Secretary of Agriculture announced that the year's crop was a 90% failure. Since most of the rest of the world had less irrigation technology than the United States, not true. False. It had to be as bad, it had to be as bad for them too. Without adequate food stores, hundreds of millions of people would die before next year's harvest. Then why the fuck were you out having a picnic, Teresa? Jesus. Conscious of what was at stake, people around the world were still filling the churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples. There was a feeling of calm in the world. <laughs> lies. All Yet lies. the future was full of danger, but the word was out. Millions of people held posters repeating something Prime Minister Blair had said. Jesus, my phone is just going crazy. Oh my. The house group text is popping off. 
Okay. Also, also, guys, I think you should stop, like, going to... I don't want to be that person, but, it, like, everything you've been doing now hasn't worked already, so why? Why bother? And why you still have this faith in Teresa? It's been months. And she's, like, done fuck all. I don't know. He said, Teresa is at work and God is in control. Somehow this quote resonated with the people. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Because if you're trying to list multiple different religions, they're not going <laughs> to accept the same things. Nope. I mean, when you get down to it, in theory, most religions are similar, but they have different beliefs within it. Yep. Oh, Norman. God is in control became the universal mantra. I couldn't agree more. Maybe God answered the prayer I made after the Sunday night meeting with Blair, asking God to help me get through this. We'd soon, we'd soon learn how much help he gave me. Of hey, course. Hey, hey, Saya. Yeah. It's in God's hands now. Oh, no. It came full circle. It sure did, Maya. <laughs> are you are you in fact referencing the line that we use a bunch in our script? Yes. Nice. Nice. Of course, atheists said nobody was in charge. They were materialists. There was nothing supernatural. Yeah, well, if their thoughts were nothing more than the chance interactions of atoms going back to the Big Bang. Then their own thoughts couldn't be trusted. Teresa, shut up. Quiet. You know who is in charge, though? Who, Maya? The spaghetti monster. You are absolutely right. Only God. I need to go with this dick. No. Also, Cthulhu. Yes. (laughs) They couldn't believe their own opinions. One of my BC teachers told me that. I was ready to attempt my first large manipulation of hail. I set up all the parameters on a four by four foot piece of plywood. Hail could read symbols that had three dimensions. I twisted pieces of wire into shapes of the hail parameter codes I had devised. I was gradually replacing the little metal street numbers with wires, which worked as well. The code was triplets made of three characters, AB2, AB3, AB4, CAA, DBB, and so on. I have no idea where this is going. Neither do I. Only I knew the code. It couldn't be broken by all the intelligence agencies in the world because they represented actions and locations, not words. I find that hard to believe. Me too, because... the Okay, I find it hard to believe because... When it comes to any sort of code, most of it, it's... Okay, so I can't remember the language that... What language was it that American, like the Amer- like America used during World War II? I know oh, it was... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know about. it was an indigenous... Was it Cherokee? Oh, it was fuck. an indigenous language that Hold they on. used. I'm going to search it. Because they used it... Because, it had because been, nobody could crack it. No one could crack it because it had never been written down. And it was only spoken. 
Yes. And that was how, like, they were able to send, like, that. They that were was called how, like... the wind speakers, I believe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was. It, it, um, it was Navajo. Okay, yeah, Navajo. Let's see. I could not remember the language. But, again, that's because it was never written down. It was only spoken. And then the reason why, like, all... It's been utilized quite a few times. Oh, yeah. Um, they did... Wow. They did 14 different languages in total. Which... Is great. A couple that we might recognize um, is the Cherokee, Choctaw, Comanche, Cree, Mohawk, Navajo, and a couple that I can't really say, nor do I want to try to say, just because I don't. Now, if only we would respect their people. I know. Um, yeah. They also used one from... Uh, Alaska Native Americans. So Inuit? No, it's uh Tlingit. Okay. E L I N G I T. Uh they use Nubian. Wow. The nineteen seventy-three Arab Israeli War, Egypt employed Nubian speaking Nubian people as code talkers. I've never heard that spoken before. Uh, Seminole was used. Well, anyway, my point is, it's like the reason why those worked was because they had never been spoken before. The reason why other codes had been cracked was because um, any, like, code comes from, like, any sort of language, and you can usually break it if you have, like, kind of a basic cipher. Yes. You just have to figure out what cipher is being used and then you just go on kind of from there and if you're like kind of a professional code breaker you could do that. I mean like Those people are fucking next level. I do not understand how they work. Dude, right? But yeah, that's why this is kind of like bullshit. Isn't that right, ma'am? And she's just gonna be like, oh well, I'm Teresa and I'm a racist. Yep. Nim agrees. Nim agrees that this is. I mean, yeah, she pretty much is. (laughs) Well, she's racist, and she's also like very. She's very judgmental. She is. (laughs) It just gets worse. Of course, it just gets worse. It gets worse, Saya. Besides that, I threw in some useless dummy parameters to confuse anybody looking over my shoulder. To pound the final nail in the coffin, I randomly surrounded the parameter codes with tiny circles, squares, rectangles, and arrows. That meant nothing. But wouldn't it just confuse Hale because he's so stupid? Right? There was no way the code could be broken because much of the stuff was junk and position meant nothing, as it did in other code systems. Teresa, that just makes it easier! <laughs> yeah. Each triplet represented a single parameter. Each was placed on a square on the plywood. 
Some parameters can be quantified by rows of short pieces of wire placed near the parameter triplet. There was also a tag number made of the metal street numbers. This task was tagged 00001871. To Steve and Arthur, these instructions look like gobbledygook. Because it is. Steve watched me move my hands along the borders of the plywood, starting at the middle of the top and working my way down to the bottom. This was the signal to Hale to carry out the task described by the 255 parameter symbols on the board. He did so immediately. In my exasperation with Hale, I'd found out that it was easier to get Hale to pull something than push it. It was... Why can't I speak words today? Analogous. Thank you. It was analogous to pulling a string rather than pushing. I got the idea when Steve mentioned that gravity gravity doesn't pull things down. Rather, it pushed things down from above. If gravity pushed instead of pulled, then Hale could pull instead of push. Interesting logic. I'm not going to try to fight it. No, I'm just going to ride along this ride. That's crazy. With the task initiated, Hale moved his stuff, whatever that was, to a spot 30 miles off of Gloucester, Massachusetts. By stuff, it's his junk. Could you just imagine being in Massachusetts and just having, like, thousands of fish being thrown at you because that's what she's doing? (laughs) Someone's out fishing and suddenly it just, like, suddenly there's all this fish in your fucking boat and you're just like, oh my god, I hit the jackpot! (laughs) yeah! I used the Prudential Center in Boston and two other landmarks on Cape Cod and Long Island to triangulate on this spot. I did this by drawing the triangle to scale on a piece of plywood, drawing lines between the three landmarks and sticking a pin on the exact spot within the triangle to correspond to the target area. You know, I feel like this could be so much easier if it was digital, but... Again, he made this before the digital age and he just didn't bother to update anything. Yeah, that's fair. That's what I assume, at least. I had trained Hale to match this diagram on the actual full-size triangle on the Earth. Using the black and white view Hale provided, I confirmed Hale had zeroed in on the right area and assigned a tag number to it. Finally, I arranged the wire parameter symbols on a plywood board to have have Hale zero in on the target and initiated the action by tracing my fingers around the board's borders. Fishing boats off of Gloucester coast were startled to see a 10-foot-wide column of water rising from the ocean. This water column was rising 200 miles an hour. Like, up? I guess. Cthulhu, is that you? Word spread quickly, and people on land with good eyesight could see the column rising from 30 miles away. When the column reached a height of 10 miles, it couldn't go up any further. The water poured out and fell under the influence of gravity. Water falling from such a height was soon torn apart by air resistance into a fine mist. A cloud formed around the top. 
Other than this cloud, it looked like any vertical fountain in a European castle's gardens, but it was a giant. Is she making clouds? <laughs> I'm so confused. Something. She's this making... was really spectacular, and the media splashed it on screen. Crowds jammed Gloucester. Thousands of boats went out to see the fountain close up. There That's going to little... get them killed. I know it is. There was little danger because the fountain stayed in one place and the water came down as a light rain. Of course, some fools wanted to get close enough to touch the water column. The Coast Guard positioned small boats around the column to keep the thrill seekers away. I think I... this is dangerous. I know. There's like no scientific... <laughs> Adding to their foolishness, some shot arrows into the column of water to see what happened. Arrows? Yeah. In America? Oh, right? The arrows were taken up into the ascending water and eventually fell back down somewhere. The Coast Guard had to stop this nonsense before, too before somebody was hurt. The world's gloom and doom of the last two months turned to optimism. Teresa is delivering on her promise in spades. No, she's not, said President Stinson at a press conference, forgetting that I had promised nothing. I believe she will solve the rain problem soon. I have no idea what the fuck is going on, and I would be more concerned than anything. Oh, right? <laughs> A week passed with nothing new happening. I was working on my most ambitious project yet. To do this, I used one of Steve's wooden chessboards. Holes had been drilled in each square of the board. Quarter-inch pieces of dowel were glued in holes drilled in the bottoms of the chess pieces. I placed six chess pieces in the middle of the board and glued a tag number on one edge of the board. The number matched an identical number on a sheet of plywood on which I had attached over 300 parameters. Now I selected a location, the Pacific Equator directly south of Hawaii. I did the triangulation routine to fix the place to the tag number. I traced the plywood borders with my hands to start it off. In the center of the Pacific, six water columns rose up. They were not 10 feet wide, but each 100 feet wide and located 100 yards apart. They rose at 200 miles an hour. These fountains were large enough to be seen a thousand miles away from commercial jets. Pilots plotted courses to stay a safe distance and radioed the news to airports. The U.S. Navy immediately launched a plane from Hawaii to investigate. Before long, a live long-distance shot of these six water columns was on television. I couldn't be blamed for being proud of myself to wear a big smile. Not bad, said Steve. What is she doing? I literally have no idea. What's going on? I'm scared. The water columns climbed from 45 minutes to reach a height of 150 miles. At that point, the water fell off the columns and started to free fall. The water dropped rapidly through a near-perfect vacuum. A few minutes later, it hit the denser atmosphere at 38 miles. The impact instantly turned the water to steam, which spread out rapidly. The steam thinned 
out and disappeared from view some eight miles from the columns. Immense quantities of water were being put into the atmosphere. All that just to tell me that? I, I feel like I already knew that. The media brought in scientific consultants who said I was using more energy every few hours than the human race had used since Adam and Eve. Look at what's happening, said a scientist. The weight of 5 million Boeing 747s moving straight up 200 miles an hour. The power requirement is almost beyond calculation. President Veronica Stinson was reported as saying, my God, how do we deal with a person like that? The Secretary of State told her, you don't say a word and hope she doesn't notice you. Well, that's concerning. Yeah. Blair was just coming back from his weekly meeting with the king at Buckingham Palace, except it's the queen. Yeah. When he heard of the Pacific Fountains and what it took to make them work, he cheerfully told reporters, we all work for Empress Teresa now. The news Jupiter throws thunderbolts. The reporters laughed. Wait, Not did he just call her Empress Teresa? He did concerning very not everybody was so easily amused the talking heads warned about what would happen if all the water in the six pacific water columns was to suddenly fall back to earth a scientist said if these if these water columns collapsed the crash would be tremendous we'd see tsunamis rolling over the coastlines all around the pacific it would be far worse than anything we've seen with tsunamis caused by earthquakes. A hundred million people could die. I mean, the scientist isn't wrong. No, they're not. I raised my eyebrows. They're not going to fall. Bunch of worry warts, said Steve. Ooh, time for some racism. Oh. More negative reactions came from China. The Chinese president gave a speech condemning the water columns as too little too late. They were not introducing that much water into the atmosphere. Because you have no wind, Teresa, you fucking idiot. Yep. Furthermore, China faced the coming winter with inadequate food stocks. Even though not all of China faces the same amount of winter all over. No, because China is so large. Yeah. He demanded to know my plans. He demanded that I go to the United Nations and give an official statement for the record. The Chinese president's demand was repeated throughout the media over the next 24 hours. Everybody was asking, what is Teresa planning? Maybe I should go to the United Nations and give them the program, Steve suggested to me. Might be a good idea, I agreed. Everything seems to be working. Steve got up and found Arthur. Arthur, I want to fly to New York tonight. I'm speaking at the UN. Oh my god, they're repeating the same thing over and over again. I know. Maybe I demand that Teresa goes to the United Nations. Huh, maybe maybe I should go to the United Nations, says Steve. That sounds like a good idea. You should go to the United Nations, says Teresa. Are we going to the United Nations? No, we're not. Shit. We're going to Fire Island. (laughs) (laughs) This might have been a little grandstanding on Steve's part, but that was forgivable. This could be his last chance to hold the spotlight. Anyway, chapter 12. Well, I'm still crinkling. Continue to crinkle, you butthead. I'm sorry, Jess wanted five guys, so I needed to get, like, all my 
surprise out of the bag. <laughs> Food sounds so good. Later. Okay. Are you ready for it to get worse? No. Well, too bad. <laughs> Chapter 12. With the Prime Minister's help, Steve got a seat on a British Airlines flight to New York. He was driven by an army sedan to Heathrow Airport for the 11.17 p.m. flight. Specific? Specifically that. What they didn't know was that he had switched the ticket at last second and he was really going down to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Television cameras followed his every move throughout the airport and reporters asked for details of my plans. I don't think they can follow him throughout the airport unless he has... No, they really can't unless everybody went through TSA, but that would be really time-consuming. But I think they can only go through... Um, Then again, this was written before Columbine, I think. So rules are different. Do you mean 9-11... Like 9-11 and Columbine. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Columbine kind of got the ball rolling and then 9-11 kind of. uh, Just because, like, just because. That's the thing. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Steve smiled and didn't answer. I went to bed still filled with anxiety. And something else. Ooh. I gotten on set of, I gotten one set of water columns up. Columns up. My my plan called for two hundred sets all over the world. Oh Jesus! Wow. Could hell handle that much? If not, then kiss your good your butt goodbye, everybody. I had no backup plan because I'm, because fuck fuck everyone. Sometime in the night, I heard Arthur pounding frantically on my bedroom door. Madam, awake, awake. What is this, Shakespeare? Yes. Not, um, to... M- Mrs. Hartley, wake up. It's urgent. Wake up. He knocked again and repeated the message, awake, awake. I became alert after, like, five times of this. What is it? The North Koreans are bombing your water columns. The president escapes you. God damn it. Holy it's fucking water. It's going to go right through. It's water. But then again, that feels like something that would happen with Kim Jong-un. Fair enough. Holy crap. I'm going to my workroom. Transfer the president there. Arthur raced to my third floor workroom where I did my manipulation of Hal. A phone had many pre- a phone had many preset but push buttons, one which tied into the house line. Arthur pushed. And he pushed out a healthy baby boy that was ten pounds. Wow. It was like a little turkey. <laughs> Are you there, Madam President? Yes. Madam Hartley is here. I arrived only two seconds after he connected the president. I grabbed the phone. What the heck is going on? The North Korean missile at her call. <laughs> it didn't even make it. It exploded flight. It didn't even get out of North Korea. Nope. We must assume it's nuclear. What will happen if it hits Hal? 
but Hal is inside of Teresa. Yes. I don't know. I didn't know. What would happen if Hal suffered a direct hit by a nuclear weapon? He'll probably be fine. (laughs) Yeah, if he was able to, you know, like, deal with the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, I think he's fine. (laughs) Would he be destroyed? Would he have the wind knocked out of him for a while? The The president added, you've heard what will happen if those water columns fall. Yeah, we lose a hundred million people. That's not so bad, right? (laughs) Can you stop the missile? No. Can you get Hal out of there? Wait, Hal's up out there, specifically? Yeah. He doesn't have a physical form. I am so confused. I didn't think Hal was outside of her body. I thought Hal was attached to her because he's like some sort of parasite. Yeah. Yeah, all I have to do is make him withdraw his support of the columns. Can you keep the water from falling if you get Hal out of there? No. We're running out of options, Teresa. How much time before the bomb hits? It's not a bomb, it's a missile. Four minutes. Four minutes to make an impossible decision. I looked around as if there was or help somewhere. What do you think, Arthur? Because I need the opinion of a man because I am a woman. Arthur, what the fuck do you even do to potentially even be making these decisions, let alone being in the same room? He washes the skid marks out of Melvin's underwear. Oh, true that. <laughs> That's a nuclear explosion in and of itself. <laughs> we can't afford to lose Hal, madam. The truth was simple. I could not allow Hal, Hal to be destroyed or damaged, but that meant condemning millions. No, it was thousand. Oh, yeah, it was a hundred million. Yeah, it was a hundred million. Damn. My hand would be the instrument of mass destruction. Genocide. I shouldn't laugh about genocide, but Teresa is about to commit genocide. Teresa is about to commit genocide. Arthur says, out of there, I told the president. You're going to listen to the butler because he's a man. You thought Arthur was the father of the house. Nope, Arthur's the butler. Oh, fuck. Then we not doing very well in this story. (laughs) There's too many people to count. Then we lose a hundred million people? Might be the alternative. How do you know Hal would be harmed? I don't. A tough decision, Teresa. It was, and the president to me. When this is when we need Iron Man, mm-hmm. <laughs> he can just get the missile in mid flight and put it in a wormhole or something. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody said that the Avengers don't exist in this universe, right? <laughs> uh, it was, and the president was leaving it up to me. She left it up to me, Arthur. She leaves you room to think, madam. Think about what three minutes said. Th- said the president my eyes winced and i started to cry oh this makes you cry yep not oh my fucking god this makes her cry but not like being basically sentenced to death okay try as i might i couldn't think of anything i mean i would cry in the situation too but i would also cry in a previous situation that happened to her yeah 
I'd actually just be crying the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. Try as I might, I couldn't think of anything. There were no more options. There was nothing to be done. It was hopeless. Panic was setting in. I was losing it. Of all times for this to happen, I wailed. Steve's not here. Did someone say Melvin? And he appears into the room wearing nothing but, oh God, a spandex leotard like what uh, Borat was wearing in the movie Borat. Oh God. It has a ring where his penis just shoots out of the little jockstrappy area. And he has this little cape on his back that says SM on the back, but it's not what you think it means. (laughs) (laughs) And he has a luchador mask on for some reason. And it was really offensive and everyone booed. Except (laughs) Carissa, because she doesn't get why it's offensive for him to have a luchador mask on. (laughs) Oh god cursed <laughs> Maya's just going off the fucking rail well the other thought I had in my head was that then he started to like rub his nipples <laughs> And he had his own little fan that was blowing. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Arthur had it set up preemptively because he knew he would show up. This is an amazing breakdown of what we don't see happening in the story. Arthur said, they did that to a nerve you, madam. Ha! Was he laughing? Ha! He pulled his shoulders back in a British manner. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> and gave me a wide, confident smile. It worked, because all I need is the reassurance of a man. Yes. I calmed down and let my mind clear itself. Two minutes. I looked at the chessboard used the used to control this task. If I removed the six chess pieces, the water columns would stop beginning from the bottom while the water that had already risen into the air would continue to to go up to the altitude of 150 miles. But would Hal still be in the missile's path? I didn't know. After considering for a while, I realized the idea. One minute. That took her one whole minute to think of. Why don't you just lower it? Or, like, just gently move it out of the way. Yeah, it's fucking water. It's water. It's just gonna pass through it. That's what's going to happen. It's just gonna, like, go through the thing. It's not solid. No, it's not. Hal is not solid. The water isn't solid. The missile's just gonna go right through it. Uh, uh, after considering for a while, I rejected the idea. One minute, I thought, what if I laid the plywood board flat and removed one of the metal street address numbers? 
making up the tag number, then Hal might stop the task immediately. Maybe or maybe not. Then if I need, then if I placed, sorry, my phone's like blocking some of the words. Then if I replace the numeral, I have an idea. If it doesn't work, we can say the butler did it. Give me a countdown. Wow. That's so rude, Teresa. He's standing right there. He's literally right there. I handed the phone to Arthur, who understood that he was to pass on the countdown. I raced to my desk to get a metal letter opener. Then I laid the plywood board flat and got ready to pry up the last numeral of the tag number glued to the board. The glue was weak. It would be the numeral. 30 seconds, said Arthur. For the most desperate act of my life, whose success I couldn't guess, I was going to flow off this. I was going to blow this butler off to save the world. Hell yeah. 25 seconds. Tell her to give me an individual seconds. 20. Oh, it's a countdown from 20. Interesting. It's the final. <laughs> it's the final brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on in my head. It's my final brain cell. <sighs> 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. I pried up the last numeral. Hal stopped pulling up the water columns. The rising water slowed down. In text, 10 seconds, it had decelerated. It's 200 miles an hour uprising to nothing and started to fall. Zero seconds, said Arthur. The bomb exploded. A cloud of steam hundreds of yards wide was visible to the Navy ship near the scene. I put the numeral back on the board. Hal started raising six new water columns. In a few seconds, they collided with the water falling down. The force Hal was using was much greater than needed, and the new water columns continued rising into even into the collision with the falling water. There was no stopping them. The point of collision of the two opposing watery... Watery? Interesting. Forces rose up at 200 miles per hour. The splash turned all of the falling water to the side of at high speed. The falling water was spread out to a large area in the form of, heavy, of a heavy rain. It looked like a liquid umbrella reaching down to the ocean. It was Cthulhu rising from the depths because it's kind of actually in the right area if you think about it because that's supposedly where it is sort of in that. You're right. <laughs> that's kind of where he's that's supposed to be where Relay is and kind of that area. Closer to Tahiti though I think. Where's Tahiti again? Oh I don't remember. I say this and I feel ashamed but it's like a smaller island. All I know is like Australia, then there's New Zealand, and then New Zealand and Tonga are closer to each other, and then we have the Hawaii, and then we have American Samoa, and then I'm like, all these things are hard to remember. Can you by Jamaica? Yes. I thought so. I is smart? Question mark? Um... Uh, blah, 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 blah. spread out as drops in this way the water did not have the calamitous impact that the water columns would have had there were trillions of tiny drop 
impacts rather than one big slam of a massive quantity. How's it going? I asked the president. I couldn't see what was happening because she's in England. How's it going? I asked. Okay. I'm not sure. I understand what the Navy is saying. The water stopped rising and now it's rising again. All of it? No. Some is going up and some coming down. There's a big splash where they met. So eloquent. Wow. That's what I wanted. How long before the tsunami gets to Hawaii? Less than an hour. Oh my god. There's a tsunami heading for Hawaii. Oh boy. Oh no. Oh shit. Call me. I hung up. There was nothing to do but wait. I simply stared into space. Arthur loyally sat nearby like a dog. (laughs) It took a little less than ten minutes for the last of the falling water to reach the ocean. Time had never passed so slowly. The phone rang fifty minutes later. It was President Stinson. Good news, Teresa. No tsunami came to Hawaii. The rest of the Pacific must be safe. How did you do it? I stopped the water columns for a moment and restarted them after the bomb. The collision fall of the earlier water. It was a rainfall. The Navy is saying congratulations. It was brilliant. Ah, well, I'm taking the day off. This night killed me. I Arthur was proudly beaming. You're off the hook, Arthur. There was one more task. I removed the six chess pieces from the board. Hal stopped rising the water from the bottom. The Navy got the strange experience of seeing the bottomless column rising up in the air. And 45 tasks would be closed down. North Korea could send all the bombs. I was still trying to fall back to sleep an hour later when Arthur knocked on the door. He said Prime Minister Blair was calling to talk, coming to talk to me. Had I fucked up? What? Blair at four o'clock in the morning? I dressed and went downstairs. I was with my rollers in my hair and I still had like a my face. Uh, I got dressed and Mrs. Parker were waiting with Arthur and the we said nothing until Blair arrived. The Prime Minister explained Korea's insane action. From the viewpoint, their action made perfect sense. Destroying half the tsunami of all the Pacific coast would severely damage the its enemies, South Korea, Japan, and the United States. The United States would not destroy the North Korean people. It being a humanitarian nation, the United States might wash its hands of foreign involvements and abandon its longtime defense of Korea. Wait. That was really confusing. Wait, it can damage the economies of its enemies, but wouldn't it also damage, like, North Korea as well? Yes. Because they also have coastal lines? Yeah. And it would also, like, damage some of China, one of their allies? Yeah. Yeah. The North would then be in a position to they also thought the bomb would destroy Hal and restore the wind. They would appear heroes. This would cancel out blame for the effects of the tsunami. No, it wouldn't. No. <laughs> also, like, they wouldn't be heroes because they hold the fact that, like, they've committed so many acts against humanity. Yeah. It's like... 
yeah it's like no anything you guys do it's not gonna no too bad i can't wash my hands of foreign involvement i didn't want this job we do understand your position it's grossly unfair i'd blocked it out of my mind earlier but now it hit me i was planning on raising a thousand water columns all over the world it would put enough water in the air to rain. now i can't do that if somebody sent off 10 missiles at once, I couldn't keep up. A bomb might kill Hal, and the columns would send tsunami waves everywhere. We could lose 2 billion people. I was already starting to cry when the Prime Minister asked, What will you do? There's nothing I can do. There's no other way to make rain. All that worrying for nothing. The idiots won't let me save them. It's just North Korea. It's literally just North Korea. <laughs> But that I really broke down. Mrs. Parker rushed over to hold me as I had a meltdown because mother. Mm-hmm. She took me upstairs and consoled me until I calmed down. I slept a few hours and woke up still miserable. The feeling of failure and all that meant weighed on me. I checked the tube. Shut up. <laughs> Prime Minister Blair had a statement to the press hours ago. Early this morning, I spoke with Mrs. Hartley about last night's incident. She was very upset. Our main concern is Mrs. Hartley now. Because her feelings are hurt. Oh, no. I urge the world's leaders to say nothing until we see what Mrs. Hartley does or doesn't do. President Stinson has assured me she will not speak of this matter. Um, yeah. Because, Yeah. <laughs> In other words, everybody was afraid of what I would do next. That's why Blair came to see me in the middle of the night. It was kind of amusing in a strange way to watch the media commentators nervously talk about the North Korean bomb and how I foiled it. They were very grim-faced and carefully avoided speculating about what I would do. Because... Okay, this is, like, now to the level of, like, they're afraid to upset her. Yeah, because she might retaliate. She's essentially holding the world hostage. Yeah. Um, Hal had not been destroyed. I still had the power. Don't piss me off. That's not concerning. No, that's not concerning at all. When Steve arrived in New York, he grabbed the next flight back to London, except he wasn't in New York. He was in Florida. <laughs> He got back to the Parker Mansion nearly 20 hours after leaving. He was... He he had, like, um... He had one of those, like, you know, floral button-down shirts that was slightly open. It had, like, a tank top underneath. He had some glasses, a baseball cap, and he had, like, I don't know, a bucket that's that had bottomless gator bites on the side of it. Amazing. And another bucket that said bo- bottomless margs. <laughs> This is great. He had a fun time for the short am- amount of time he spent at the Florida airport. Um, it was already evening. I was waiting with a glum face when he strutted into the room very proud of himself with his two buckets. I have a new plan, he said with obvious pride. You'll really love <laughs> He has a plan. He has- How does he have a plan? Because he's a man. The man, he know his things. It took me to get. It took me five days to throw together a new plywood sheet with all the needed parameters. Task. Then I started the first 
of two tasks. Two hours before the dawn, the British people heard a very faint rumbling sound. Barely audible, it sounded like the movement of a large amount of earth. It didn't go away. The news channels jumped on the story. Seismologists said that there was much around the North Pole. It wasn't an earthquake. There were no bedrock radiating outward. Instead, there was some kind of disturbance in the bedrock around the pole. No effects had been seen on land. Blair sent Royal Air Force planes to the North Pole. A few hours went by. The Air Force, the Air Force, the Air Force <laughs> arrived at the scene and sent back live video. The ice in a thin 150 mile wide circle surrounded the pole was being cracked and broken up by some submarine force. In time, the circle of disrupted ice became two circles approximately 20 miles from each other. Hold on, need to sip some water. Uh, I don't like what where this is going. The Americans also sent airplanes, and the White House said President Stinson watched the screen constantly. Early in the afternoon, something rose from the fractured ice. It was a mound of rocks broken up into enormous pieces larger than houses, some breaking up even as they rose. It became apparent that these mounds of rocks were rising up completely around the, around the two concentric circles. Nobody could guess how many trillions of tons of rocks were rising up. No wonder there was a rumbling in the earth. Rumbling, rumbling, rumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, Teresa's starting the rumbling. Oh, no. We're all going to die. We are all going to die. Yeah, 80% of the world's population. Shit. God. I was pushing up the rock by using Hal as a bulldozer. Oh, God. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, as I had once referred to him. Making Hal apply pressure as many points along the circles automatically broke the rock up into house-sized pieces. The pressure was applied to curvatures lines. Gaily forward, as Patrick Hines said. Gaily forward lines, not straight. (laughs) Planes from several nations flew here and there and established that the concentric circles of rock mounds were not complete. They were made of curved sections, some five five miles long, with one-mile gaps between them. Soon it was noticed that the inner and outer curved rock mounds were placed so that the gaps in one circle faced the center of the rock mounds in the other circle. A ship that wanted to sail to the North Pole would have to enter through a gap in the outer circle, turn 90 degrees, sail a couple miles between the circles, and find an inner circle gap to get to the pole. The curved rock mounds continue to rise until they reach a half mile above the ocean. I can't picture what's going on. Me neither. It just sounds like bullshit. Commentators pointed out that the Arctic Ocean was only a half mile deep, which made this piling of rocks easier for me to do than it would be in three mile deep Atlantic. Then the process changed. The outer incomplete circle thickened outward and the inner circle mounds thickened inwards. This required Hal's applying his forces from a greater distance. This fascinating process continued for four more hours until the rock mounds were half a mile above the water and five miles thick from inside to outside. The surface of the mounds were very rough, like granite stone le- levees built to protect shorelines. 
planes and helicopters could never land there. Then everybody, everything stopped. I'm just thinking about the narwhals and other fish living there that are just confused as shit. Mm-hmm. What were these rock mounds for? Everybody wondered. It's to summon Cthulhu. That's what it's for. Yep, that is exactly what it's for. They're barriers to absorb tsunamis, said the PM to the press. Look how look how any wave that gets through the inner circle gaps will be absorbed by the outer circle. Teresa will raise water columns at the North Pole. He was right. It was clear to everyone. For once, they knew what I was would do ahead of time. Everybody was relieved that I was doing something dangerous. I wasn't doing something dangerous like going after the North Koreans. Steve found the butler. Arthur, I knew I know what you did with, with my wife, you sneaky little sausage, you. <laughs> you, you. You didn't think that I would catch on to it. I mean, we've spent so many passionate nights together. Why would you do that? Why would you betray me like this? Why would you sleep with my wife like that, Arthur? Why? Why? I got you this souvenir from Florida. I got this for you. It's from the airport, Steve. Still, I got this for you because it reminded me of you, Arthur. Why can't we get you? Yep. <laughs> Steve and Arthur, secret lovers. The drama. Yes. Arthur, call the Prime Minister and tell him to get everybody out of there. Anybody foolish enough to stay within 75 miles of the North Pole does so at his own risk. Teresa can't save their miserable necks, so she's too busy to play nursemaid to fools. Nursemaid. Cool. They're picking up on British slang. Wow. Very good, sir. The PM passed the word, and all weather station scientists were evacuated. Two days were required to do this. In the morning, when the last of the North Pole scientists were being flown out in ski planes, I went to work on a new phase of the project. Steve set up one of his chessboards with a tag number. Can't they just buy inexpensive chessboards instead of ruining Steve's chessboards? How many chessboards does he have? How many, how many did he bring with him to the UK? You know? At this point, I feel like he has over a hundred. Right? I placed four chess pieces in the middle of the board and moved my hands along the borders of a sheet of plywood with the three-dimensional parameters associated with the chessboard tag number. I moved the planchette around the board. Is anybody there? It moved to yes. <laughs> Who is with us? Y-O-U-R-M-O. M. Bloody hell, this little snicker. <laughs> I don't know why I said snicker. I think I'm hungry because I kind of want a Snickers bar right now. Ooh, that sounds good. It does sound good. Um, uh, water column. Okay, wait. Parameters associated with... Uh, Hal began rising four water columns, each 300 feet wide and rising 200 miles an hour. This event was immediately detected by the plane. It was quickly pointed out that four columns weren't enough to bring rain to the world. I was doing something else. Everybody had to wait. Five hours went by. The columns reached a height of 1,000 miles. At this point, I removed the last digit of the tag number on the chessboard. 
as he had done in the North Korean bomb incident, Hal stopped his support of the water columns. The water columns fell. For the first few minutes, there was an enormous splash in the ocean as the water crashed down as at ever-increasing speed. Huge waves spread out but settled down as their impulses were translated into rapidly moving tsunami forces. As the highest parts of the water columns fell, their greater speeds caused them to be broken up into mist, and then finally heated to steam so that there was no longer a giant splashing at the ocean surface. Above, About the time all the water had fallen, the first impulse reached the insides of the inner rock circle. The waves climbed high up the side of the inner rock mounds to the nearly top, but did not spill over. The waves settled back down to nearly nothing. The first impulses were bouncing back to counteract with and cancel out the newer impulses still radiating from the pole. In 18 minutes, it was all over. Everything was quiet. The experiment was a a success. The rock circles had suffered no damage. I knew they could take a much harder hit. The world's anxiety about the Korean missile fiasco dissipated. I had not declared war on, on North Korea. I had turned my attention to the North Pole. I was waging war against the narwhals. <laughs> Steve promised that when I got control of Hal, I'd do giant actions had been fulfilled. In only a few weeks had I done four spectacular feats. The small water column near Gloucester, Massachusetts, the six larger columns in the Pacific, the North Pole rock mound circles, and the four 1,000-mile high water columns. The world waited for my next move. Oh my fucking god. The water columns? I don't know how to feel because I also feel like this is going to be an environmental disaster. It just feels like the environment is increasingly getting ruined. Yeah. By Teresa. Because it's like, it's, it's not just ice up there. Like, the ice is also, like, you know, surface for other animals, like polar bears and all that, you know? Yeah. And we got, like, other, like, you know, aquatic life living up there. Poor narwhals going to war with Teresa. <laughs> they don't deserve that shit. The narwhal army. The poor narwhal army. What will they do? They only have long tooth. <laughs> oh. Well, we got through two chapters today. That's wow. Yeah. And I don't remember anything that happened except water columns. Right? Right? <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking like, oh, I still got to do my homework. Right. I'm really tired. Anyway, that was Empress Teresa for this week. And I hated every second of it. Me too.